welcome to today's episode where I am reading Neville Goddard's lecture from 1965 titled Creative Moments. Tonight I will call this Seminal Moments or Creative Moments. The Bible speaks of Jesus Christ as the power and the wisdom of God. Man has misunderstood it and personified it as a man, a man who lived and died 2,000 years ago. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that Jesus Christ is the creative power and the wisdom of God. If you want to record, turn to the first chapter of Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, verse 24. I'm quoting you exactly. Christ, the power and the wisdom of God. Our effort here is to find out more and more about this power, this creative power. For surely the deeper meaning of power is effectiveness in achieving our purposes in life. It should be. And so the more we can find out about this power, then the more we know of what the world calls Jesus Christ. I say Jesus Christ is your own wonderful human imagination. That's Christ. When I speak of God, his name is revealed in scripture as I am, Exodus 3.14. When I say I am, and that's the center of consciousness, I can't get any closer to center than saying I am. I may say, I am a man, I am this, I am that. I am a rich man, a poor man, a beggar man, a thief, but I must first say, I am. So that's God, and God operates and creates uh, through Jesus Christ, as you're told in Second Corinthians uh, verse 5, 19. Here are the words, In Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. No misdeed is counted against the man, completely forgiven. If man could only become that channel through which he could operate and completely forgive every man and, and reconcile him to his obje uh, objective in life, it takes Christ as the medium through which God reconciles man to himself. The Bible sets down God as my own wonderful I am and take his creative power as my imagination and start from there. So how it works. Put it to the test. Or see how it works and put it to the test. If it proves itself in performance, well, what others say doesn't really matter. What does it matter what anyone in this world will tell me if I have evidence to support my claim? And so we'll take it from here tonight. A week ago tonight, a friend of mine told me a story based upon an experience of his. It happened in a dream. While most people would discount a dream, but the Bible doesn't discount a dream, we're told in the 12th chapter of the book of Numbers. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord God, will make myself known unto him in a vision. I will speak with him in a dream, verse 6. Well, here the night in question, he went to bed in the assumption. First, he asked the question, Who am I? Then he answered, based upon what we claim here, I am Christ. Here is a man, younger than I am, by, say, five to six years younger, a man within our sphere, a normal man, a man who works for a living, successful businessman and artist. He said, I am Christ. I am awakened man. I am God aware of his creative power. These were the thoughts that permeated his mind. A week ago tonight, and then he fell asleep. In the sleep, he said, I did not hear a voice, not a first, 
but the depth of my own soul communicated to me through the form of some mental telepathy. Well, this man is a writer, professional writer. He said I didn't hear words, but I got the meaning of this communication. It said to me, when you use your imagination for another, use it as you do when you write a story. Well, said he to me, when I write a story, I must play all the parts, but all the parts. If I dramatize a love story, then I must make love to myself. No matter what I do in the story to make it natural, I have to actually feel it and play it. I must become every character to make it natural. Well, if I'm now to use my imagination for another as I use it when I write a story, then I must become the other. So he started to practice and he took many friends, a person after person, and then as he became them, he led them towards the fulfillment of his desire for them and gave to them in this imaginary act what they either could not give themselves or did not have the faith to give themselves. So he went through the night, or rather the interval, just simply practicing this way. As it came to an end, this experiment of his, a voice spoke for the first time, and the voice said, Tell this to Neville, which he did a week ago today. And I shared it with you. Since that night, those who were present have tried it. I've tried it with great success. It was a different technique. Others tried it. I expect all who were here to have tried it, and that you will share with me the results that I, in turn, may share with you. A friend who is not here tonight, he wasn't here last Tuesday, but he called a friend of mine who was here, I see him. He said, what did Neville talk about tonight? Well, he told him everything graphically in detail, what the whole technique was about. This was ten. This was then 10.30. He said, well, I will think it over and try it again, and if it works, I shall be told something in vision or in dream to confirm that it really is something I could use. So, he said, it was 10.30 when I called. After I put up the phone, I took a shower and retired. Then I took many members of my family. I became each member, and my consciousness led their body to the fulfillment of my wish for them. Then I took associates in my business. I became them, and my consciousness led their form to the fulfillment of that which I desire for them. Then, he said, I fell asleep and woke at 3.30 with this vivid, vivid dream. I dreamt that I was in an oriental gift shop. I was attracted to one of these little chimes, these little things where the wind blows against the chimes and it sort of sings somewhat. I went through the entire store looking at different objects, and to my surprise I came upon a scene of American Indian clothes and all the things that American Indians wear. I thought that's a strange thing, how incongruous in an oriental shop, run by an oriental lady, that these things should be present. So I took a, uh, a coonskin cap and I put it on. I turned to a man who was with me and I said, watch this. I felt myself to be my son Michael and at that moment a feeling I am Michael, a boy in his, what, eleven or twelve, suddenly Michael appears before us pushing himself between the two of us, dressed in an Indian outfit. Then I woke, convinced of the truth and the reality of this technique. God has shown me on a more pliable level of my being, 
that this thing does work. Maybe on this level I may have to wait an interval between the assumption <clears throat> and its fulfillment. But in the level of dream it worked just like magic. I put this little thing on my head and said to him, Watch this. I assumed I am Michael, my son, and instantly he appears before me, pushing himself between the two of us dressed like an Indian. Now my friend David, who brings me here twice a week, he decided about two months ago to sell a unit that he had. He has an apartment house, three units, and he thought, well, I'm an associate professor at UCLA in ethnic music. It takes all my time to prepare my work, and I don't really have the time to give to supervising this apartment house, so I'm going to sell it. So he got in touch with an agent, and the agent said, I'll list it and take care of it. She got a buyer. The buyer said, I'll buy it. We go into escrow immediately. The price is just right, but we will go into escrow with one condition, that every unit must be rented. Only two were rented, so he told me he had to have the third rented. They could sell it all right, but there would be an adjustment in price if, at the end of the time, it was today, the unit wasn't rented. So I simply heard I did not know this technique because my friend Bob had not revealed it. He only got it a week ago, but in my own technique I heard him tell me it was done, and I felt the emotional reaction that would accompany the thought that it's sold, it's all done. And that was it. Well, a week ago, as time moves <clears throat> towards the, in, uh, the inevitable end, escrow is today, it's the end today. He said to me last Tuesday before we came here, as he picked me up, you know, we only have a week, but you told me it's done, and so I believed you, and yet I can't in some strange way completely put aside the anxious, critical, conscious mind. It still gives me a little needle. We only have a week, and so the, uh, the time is moving on, only a week. I said, well, David, I can only tell you I stood perfectly still in my kitchen. I thought of you, and I heard you simply say to me, it's done, I've sold it. The whole thing is done. And I got the emotional thrill that would accompany uh, that coming from you, my friend. Now, I cannot say tonight if that was the moment or if what I did following hearing the story from my friend Bob, because having told the story which I told you last Tuesday, when I went home that night, he said to me, <clears throat> having heard this thing tonight, I feel so much more encouraged. I should try it when I go home. Well, that night when he left, now David recently has taken to shaving his head. Well, I've never had hair that close to my skull since possibly when I was born. But I had to feel David. He's smaller than I am in stature. And so I felt David's head. It's my head. I had to feel myself bald. Then with this, I took my consciousness and then led him to be standing in front of myself as David. And have myself as David tell me it's all done. Excuse me, while Saturday he called me to say a total stranger in the neighborhood. Now he had to advertise, based upon this agreement with the agent. No one responded to his ad. No one came from the ad. The agent sent no one to see him. Someone in the neighborhood desiring to move, but not out of the neighborhood, passed by and saw the sign out front and came in and rented right on the spot, seized it right there and then on Saturday and today, the whole thing is is behind him. 
So I cannot honestly say which of the two, because I have no way of knowing. I only know I heard it distinctly. His voice, and he told me that it was Don, and I felt the emotion, the thrill of accomplishment, knowing that God uh, creates reality out of imaginary uh, circumstances. So I take an imaginary circumstance, which would imply the fulfillment of my wish for a friend, and then create the reality of it make it seem natural to you then it comes to pass well isn't that the power the creative power of god so when we are told jesus christ is the power and the wisdom of god haven't found him or haven't i found him is he someone in space someone in time two thousand years ago no he's right here in every child born a woman and that individual a little child's imagination that's christ the God of whom we speak is in Christ operating, and that power is your own wonderful I amness. That is God operating through Christ. Now we are told we are ambassadors for Christ, and God has appealed through us, Second Corinthians five twenty. So we are ambassadors through Christ. Now all are all these stories true in Scripture? I tell you they are true. Listen to this one. Take from the second chapter of Hebrews. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified have all one origin. Verse 11. The one who sanctifies and those who are sanctified have all one origin. All one. Then he asks a question. But first he makes a statement and then he asks a question. And the statement is this. He was not ashamed to call them brethren. Verse 13. Then he quotes from scripture the 22nd Psalm to support his argument the 22nd Psalm, the 22nd verse, that I will declare and proclaim thy name to my brethren. Then he quotes again from the 8th of Isaiah, Here am I, and the children of God gave me, verse 18. If you turn to the 8th of Isaiah and read the entire passage, it's fascinating. The children are called signs and portents of the Lord of hosts who dwells on Mount Zion. I have at least 40 Bibles at home, many commentaries, exegies, all kinds of books dwelling on the Bible, and many written by brilliant, brilliant scholars. They come to this passage, and they all agree the words of the two children mentioned in the 8th of Isaiah are unknown. They cannot find the roots of these words. They try to arrive at them based upon the text itself. Some come to the conclusion the first child mentioned beings a remnant shall return and the second child mentioned is simply the spoil or spoiling judah's enemy that's all they can arrive at they do not know what the words are but we are told if you read it correctly no one believed isaiah and so he sealed the script as daniel did he sealed it until that moment in time when the seal would be broken at god's appointed hour then one could read it with understanding if these same scholars who wrote this word accept my experience, they would have no problem. For I have had the experience of the two children. But man, seeing the Bible at some secular history, will never see them. Because Isaiah, if you take it chronologically, was supposed to have lived in the 6th century B.C. If you take David, he is supposed to have lived 1,000 years B.C., well, certainly David could not be one of his children, 
when he came 400 years later. The word Isaiah means Jehovah is salvation. The same word that you find, the same meaning of the word Jesus or the word Joshua, same word. There's only one Savior, and that is Jehovah. I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And beside me there is no Savior, Isaiah 43, 3 and 11. For the word Jesus is simply Jehovah. The word Joshua is Jehovah and Isaiah. Jehovah's Savior is salvation. How can I take these two children? Who are the two children in this case? I can tell you from my own experience. He said they are signs and portents. They aren't children like my two children. I have two children, a boy and a girl. They were born as you were born, and I was born normally from the womb of a woman. These children are not born from the womb of a woman. There are signs and portents of something taking place in us individually. The first one, which is called a remnant, shall return. It doesn't mean that at all. It is simply the little infant that you find when you are born from above and called son of God. You find yourself being born from above and the symbol of your birth is a little child wrapped in swaddling clothes. That's the first one. I and the children that God gave me, the first one. It's a sign, a portent of my own birth from above. Then comes second, and the second also, but he's a youth. It is David of biblical fame. That's my sign of the discovery of my own fatherhood, that is God. God reveals himself to man as father through giving to that man the one mentioned in scripture as his only begotten son. Thou art my son, today I have begotten thee, Psalm 2-7. That's meant and said to David. So David comes suddenly before you, out of your own skull, and there you stand and you see him. The whole vast world here is only God and God unfolding. This is the great tree of life that is God. All these are buds within the great tree that is God, and at moments in time they unfold. These are the last days when the children begin to appear. So you're told in the 8th chapter of Isaiah, the children that God gave to me, and to this very moment, all scholars are going completely berserk trying to find out who they are. They happen within man as the tree comes into ripeness, and these buds begin to flower within man. So I say everyone, not a remnant, will return. Not one will be lost. How could one be lost when God became every man? So every man in this world is God, and as he uses his imagination, it is God hoping that that imagination is filled to capacity with love, that he can reconcile the world to himself. So my friend, a few days later, and for you who were not here, he had the experience where he used this technique without love, and he was trapped. So I tell you tonight, don't use it unlovingly. Don't use it for any purpose other than love. You can give everyone in this world that you desire exactly what you want for him. Don't be concerned as to how it's going to happen. You have the power to reconcile everyone to fulfill desire. There would be no need for reconciliation were not that man is missing his aim in life, his goal in life, which is called in scripture sinning. For to sin is to miss the mark. If someone has a goal in life, he has a mark, and he isn't hitting it. He's sinning. But 
it isn't held against him. It's completely forgiven. Ask any man, do you really believe in the gospel of reconciliation? So tonight you know the gospel of reconciliation. You can this very night sit quietly, assume that you are your friend, that you would help, and then your consciousness leading his body towards the fulfillment of his dream or his desire. Do nothing more. You don't raise a finger to make it so. It was so when you did it. A little interval of time between what you did in your imagination and that moment when it's fulfilled in the world, what does it matter? If in dream, as my friend, who is not here tonight, found that it happened instantly, all right. He was on a different level where the substance itself is more pliable. But here on this level, we have reached the limit of contraction, the limit of opacity. So it takes a little interval of time between the imaginal act and the fulfillment of that act. So here tonight, if you know anyone in the world, uh, if you know anyone in your world who desires, and it comes without your code of decency, or within your code of decency, sorry, if they want you to kill someone, you don't do it. If they want you to rob a bank, don't do it. It doesn't come within your code of decency. But no matter what they want, it goes way beyond their capacity at the moment. Judging from appearances to realize that you grant it. You simply put on their little form and simply move towards a fulfillment of what they want. Feeling all the time that you, as a little one called John, called Mary, called by any name, that you have it. And feel the emotion of success, the emotion that would accompany that claim. And then drop it and return to your formal, former state, called by your present name. You've done it. My friend said to me, you know, I found it the easiest thing in the world to do. I took all of my relatives, I took my associates, and it was so easy to do. I do hope that everyone who was here last Tuesday tried it. If you tried it, you should have success now. I do not know what you did, but I hope you did it. Because this thing works. It's a simple, simple technique. You simply assume that you are the one that you would help until you feel that you are wearing that form, even if it's a female and you are a man, or if it's a male and you are a female, it doesn't really matter. In the interval, I've taken my wife, I've taken my daughter, I've taken other sexes, and it didn't seem strange to wear it. I wore them, and I took them towards the fulfillment of what I would give them, and then dropped it. So I ask everyone to try it. If it doesn't make sense, well, forget it. It doesn't make sense. What doesn't make sense? I turned the TV on the other morning and this man is explaining that a little bomb not bigger than what you would hold in the palm of the hand was what was dropped in Japan, in Nagasaki. Only something you could hold in your hand. Then, said he, only half of 1% of the energy contained in that was released. Only 20,000 tons of TNT. And that only uh, amounted to a half of 1% of what was held. We did not know then how to really unlock more. Now we know how to do more and more. But you don't need a bigger bomb just to release all that is there that could be released. And a half of 1% was all they could release. And it came to 20,000 tons of TNT. Then he was using that as an example and explaining to us how something else followed. An end bomb. I'd never heard that one before. But here... You drop it on places today and no one is killed unless they are very near. But it goes through trees, it goes through villages, it goes through everything. It goes through the man and makes him 
while one who has lost the urge to even defend himself. It's called an N-bomb, a neuron, or a neutron. So instead of destroying the area, you drop it and it penetrates all kinds of buildings and all trees. Everything goes through people and then they become. If they are very near, they're killed, yes. If they're not and they're far away, it goes through them anyway. That's what man has done with power. Now you and I are thinking of an entirely different kind of power, something infinitely greater. Not destroying anyone, but helping everyone that's in need in this world. It costs us nothing. So tonight you can take a child or take a friend, take anyone, and give him what he hasn't the strength or the faith to give himself. First, become him and then lead him towards the fulfillment of your desire for him. That desire that you hold for him might have been poised by him and he wants it or she wants it and they do not know how to get it. Well, you can grant it. Grant it by actually moving towards the fulfillment of it. Wearing their garment just as though it were true. Then let a thing happen in its own wonderful way and it will happen. I tell you from my own experience, when these things begin to work, all of a sudden, it's at an end. The tree begins to blossom. The tree begins to put out all of its fruit. And all of these insane statements made in scripture come true. They come true in you. Who would think that you, in 1965, you are the father of David of 1000 BC? Who would think that anyone in this room would have the experience of being the father of David, God's begotten son, Psalm 2-7? Who would think that anyone in 1965 would make the claim that the same little child wrapped in his little clothes, little bands, that you held in your hands was only a sign and a portent that you were born son of God? For you're told that the child to be born will be holy, son of God. Well, this little thing was a sign, it was only a portent, that wasn't born. It was you who came out of the great tomb of your own skull, and you saw the symbol bearing witness to that event. Then months later, here comes the second child, and there are only two. The Bible doesn't mention a third, it says the children. And they name the children, but no one today can find the root of these words, and they speculate all around the place as to the words, and it's so simple when it happens. So we are told when he comes and he breaks the seal, you will read it, then will under, with understanding. But who will believe him? He says, who will believe my report? So I stand here and I tell you the names of these two. One is the infant wrapped in swaddling clothes. That is only the sign of your own birth from above. And the second reveals to you that you are the very true, the very tree itself which is God the Father. So when he says, I will proclaim your name to the whole congregation, what was the name he proclaimed? Father. He said, God, the name called God, is really Father, and I and my Father are one, John 10.30. There's only God. There's nothing in this world but God, one being unfolding. When one really believes it or sees it, and one, when one has had the experience of it, well then, Listen and try to put it into practice. So tonight, this would be reconciliation. You could reconcile any being in this world to God, because with God all things are possible. If I'm missing the mark, then I'm not reconciled to God. But he's reconciled to God through Christ, and Christ is my imagination. So in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us this wonderful gospel of reconciliation. 
entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Well, to be reconciled, I must now be stoned. Another word for it in scripture is atonement. While atonement is at one, at one meant. So I would become at one with my friend. So I cease to be another. I am my friend. And then I move my friend through my consciousness to the fulfillment of that wish that I hold for them. Then I take him straight forward, and it's all done. Then I return to the being called Neville, and then take one, and then take another one, and take him towards the fulfillment of my desire for him. Then take another one. I have no responsibility beyond that reconciliation. In a way that I, as a man called Neville, while I do not know, uh, there's a word missing, I do not know the blank, I only know that all I need do is to bring about the reconciliation. And then the thing will mold itself into this world, and I will prove to my own satisfaction that I can create reality uh, out of imaginary circumstances. So if you tried it this week and you have results, please let me have them. Don't be bashful, write me. If you don't want to tell them, write me anyway and tell me not to tell them. But give me the satisfaction of knowing that you tried it and that it, it has worked for you. I know it will work for this week. It was sheer uh, there's a word missing, sure something. I tell you that it can't fall or can't fail. If it can't fail and it's so simple and costs you nothing, why not try it? Well, you try it in this simple, simple way, and it's easy, may I tell you. If you've never tried feeling that you are another, well, maybe you'd be embarrassed. Well, don't be embarrassed. Try feeling anyone. I can't tell you what an amusing thing it was when I began to feel that I'm David. I mean the David of today, my friend here, because I have never felt such a bare head. Because he puts blank uh, on at night, blank, puts the whole thing on. I feel almost on a hot day I had to feel almost cold. I was so bareheaded. Then his voice is higher than mine. I had to catch that mood as I was take, uh, talking to myself. So I became David and put Neville in front of David listening to David's tale and have David tell me the whole thing is done. The apartment is rented and no change of escrow, no change of papers. The whole thing is done. And may I tell you, it was a very pleasant sensation to just feel David and just be David for that moment and talk to myself. That's all that I did. And so on Saturday, when the phone rang, I came home and got the news and I was thrilled. But really, I wasn't surprised. I wasn't surprised. I was thrilled with him and for the working of the law. So you try it tonight and don't limit yourself to what you think you're capable of doing. It isn't you. It's God. God is your own wonderful consciousness. That's God. All things are possible to God. But he has to work through an agent. And the agent is Christ. And Christ is your own wonderful human imagination. That's Christ. There never was another Christ, never will be another. This is all Christ. So he calls us brothers that one person awakes and the tree blooms first and one. He's called the first fruit of those who slept, the first to be born from the dead, but not the last one. The tree is awakening, and so he calls us all brothers because we're all from one origin. The origin, that one, doesn't mean Adam, and it doesn't mean Abraham. It means God, the Creator. So we are all of one origin, that one is God, God the Creator.
So when he is asked in scripture to name the greatest of all the commandments, he doesn't name any of the ten, but he uh, summarizes the ten in one taken from Deuteronomy. And there are ten words, for that's what it really means biblically. The Ten Commandments literally means ten words. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Ten words, Deuteronomy 6, 4. Not two gods, no room for two, only one. So he became the seeming many, and he has set up within the unnumbered fragmented parts of himself a means by which it will awaken to discover it is still that one. So he sets up his own son, and strangely enough, when you and I read of David in scripture, in scriptural fame, we think of him as a thousand years B.C., three thousand years ago. Well, when he appears before you, he's contemporary. And strangely enough, he was always your son. You do not have a feeling that suddenly someone forced him on you, because now you have awakened from the dream of being another to the consciousness of being God the Father. And his son stands before you and calls you father. If David calls you father and he is the son of God, then who are you? Therefore, everyone will have the experience of being the father of David. Now, before you have the experience, try this technique my friend so generously shared with us. I know it is true from my own experience, but may I also show from Scripture, the third chapter of Exodus and the sixth of Isaiah, that when vision breaks forth in speech, then the presence of deity is confirmed. When it broke forth, the tree is burning, but it doesn't consume itself. And suddenly the voice is heard coming from the burning bush. Moses, Moses, in the sixth chapter of Isaiah, suddenly he beholds its all vision. Then he hears the voice, who will I send? And then Isaiah answers. But the vision breaks into speech. So in my friend's case, after the experiences, suddenly comes this voice. Tell this to Neville. So he told it to me, but before he told it to me, the presence of deity was confirmed by the breaking forth of vision into speech. So I ask everyone here to try it and try it tonight. Of a friend that isn't well, try it. Try it with a dozen friends. May I tell you, it's such a wonderful feeling. You get into a nice, quiet mood and feel one character after the other. And you become the wonderful actor. For that's what an actor does. He has to feel, to some extent, the naturalness of the part that he's going to play. We're told in the words of Blake, God only acts and is in existing beings or men. He's only an actor. Well, your consciousness only acts, but it acts through this frame called Jesus Christ, which is your own wonderful human imagination. Without imagination, you couldn't throw yourself into any character, but you can throw yourself with imagination into any character and feel the naturalness of that character. So feel tonight you are a successful man. Well, who would share it with you were it true? Well, then, your wife, your daughter, your friend, all right, you can take either part of yourself or just take the part of a friend who would sincerely rejoice because you are. And then have you as a friend congratulate you standing in front of a friend concerning this. Try it in that manner. Try anything and then see how it works. So when this was revealed a week ago tonight, we shared it with those who were present and many have received results. But I want everyone to receive results, not just one. 
but keep on building it up more and more. I know my friend who told it to me also gave me a wonderful one that he did. He received a horrible blow. His director, who had been directing his, his shows for, well, years now, he went to the studio to discover that the man had a stroke. It paralyzed one side, found it difficult to speak, and had lost ten years of his memory. He knew no one that he had met in the last ten years. He was now planning the show's that he was going to do when they are already done. So he took this technique and got into the friend's body and simply revised the whole picture. Went to the studio and they told him that he is recovering rapidly in the use of the arm. His memory has returned. He hasn't forgotten this interval of 10 years and he's rapidly coming back to the norm. No one gave any hope for this man, but he, the friend, received it like a blow, a physical blow, when he heard it. And after something very unpleasant happened to him, because of his acceptance of that as a blow, he then turned to the application of this principle and applied it toward his friend's recovery. He hasn't written it out for me in detail as yet, but he told me the last time we were here, which was last week, Friday night, that it will be a wonderful story when he gets down uh, the details of it. So let nothing stand in your way. Just simply grant everyone what you would like them to have. If they want wealth, all right, wealth. If they want fame, what does it really matter if all is created out of imaginary circumstances? And in the end, after, you're ex after you've exercised this power, well, that's all that we're here for. In the end, there will only be God, and his name is one. So in the very end, all of these fragmented parts are brought back together, and in that day, the Lord will be king over all the earth. And the Lord will be one, and his name one, Zechariah 14.9. You and I are that. Now, let us go into the silence. All right, so there we have Noble Goddard's lecture from 1965, uh, titled Creative Moments. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll see you next time. Bye now.